Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's our goal to share financial information that helps you in both your life and financial vineyard. We hope to take you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that help craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine and co-host Carrie Bean. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Welcome back. (laughs) Hello, hello. Well, Carrie and I wanted to share with you our wine tip before we got into the topic of setting short and long-term goals and our jam session along those lines. Um, I was actually out visiting Carrie just before the holidays and we came across a unique winery called Knotted Rope Winery. They do not ship, unfortunately, so you have to go visit them. But they're a cute little winery. They have some really amazing dry reds, which are, of course, my favorites. She floored me when we were talking, and I said, before she actually poured, and I said, do you happen to have any Cab Francs? And she said, well, actually, that's our main grape. I I just about fell on the floor, didn't I, Gary? Yes. <laughs> um, so if you, those of you that have listened for a long time, you know that Cab Franc is one of my favorite types of wine. So Carrie and I enjoyed a few whites, a few reds. We really had a great afternoon um, enjoying their different uh, varieties. And I think uh, it's a great place to go visit. I know they probably don't even, you know, wouldn't even know who we were. They have a Facebook page, just Google Knotted Rope Winery on their Facebook page and follow them. It's a great, you know, as I always say, life is about events supported by your dollars and cents. Well, this to me was worth the trip that we made, certainly to see Carrie, but it was a nice little find, I guess you want to say, right, Carrie? Yeah. Because I have not, wasn't familiar. I had poked my head in once before, but until you came and visited, I had not sat down there and tried anything. They had a bourbon barrel aged reserve that about knocked our, our, uh, (laughs) <laughs> it was definitely you got the bourbon for sure but yeah um, for those of you that like bourbon and you like wine this was something to try and we say go go give them a try if you're in the area or make it a vacation spot there was lots of lots of cabins you could stay at lakes you could be on it was an amazing area that we went to so um, just wanted to give them a shout out and say how much we really enjoyed it there and of course Carrie you were the highlight of my reason <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you thank you I enjoyed it as well so digging in to the podcast part of it, the financial side of things today, um, one of the things that we often talk to people about when they first become clients is what their goals are. And I know you and I have talked before that 
uh, when a lot of times when we'll ask people that they have some general goals, like we like to travel or we want to put our kids through college or we want to retire. But there's a lot of little goals that kind of fall in the middle there. Some might be like, I want to be debt free or, you know, just different things. And so thinking about, and there's a lot of competing goals, right? There's Mm -hmm. tons of competing goals. I mean, all the things that I just said are truly actually competing goals. And Anne and I spoke on the last podcast, we talked about like creating sort of a general master budget once a year, sitting down and intentionally saying, this is how I want to spend my money. And a lot of times in order to figure that out, you have to come up with some of those short and long-term goals and savings goals. So let's chat a little bit about how we can kind of get the juices flowing and help people not forget what some of those short-term goals need to be, or even what some long-term goals need to be sometimes. Mm -hmm. What are some of your experiences? Um, I think as you were talking and you you said competing and and the word conflicting kept popping into my head. So it's, it's really hard. Life is busy and our money, it has to go a lot of directions. We don't have a choice in that. Um, and I think I actually just recently did it, sat down and, and thought about 2022 and some of those short term goals are easy to forget about. Um, like I know we, we have an umbrella policy and I was thinking, man, I haven't paid it in a while. I don't actually know what month it's due in. So I actually went and looked and it, it's, it's due in April. And so I was like, okay, well, I've basically got, you know, three and a half months here to set some money aside for that. And I think the nice thing about it was it's not a very expensive policy. And now that I've thought about it, I have plenty of time to set a little bit of cash aside for it. Um, so that was definitely one of the short term goals that I was glad to kind of get off my mind and, and fix a dollar amount to set aside for the next few months. Um, but then also travel is probably one of the most important things to me and, and my little family is, is going somewhere every year. So planning out, out that and setting aside money for that is super important to us. And, and it also helps you figure out, you know, what, when are you going? What month are you going? How much time do you have to save? And, and do you have enough to set aside for the trip that you're wanting to go on? Um, so that's kind of where I've been at, you know, short term goal wise. And I spent some time going through those and thinking through them. Yeah. When I think of both short and long term goals, sometimes I think, I mean, here's kind of a list of things that I think about. And sometimes the long term goals end up being short term goals. <laughs> Um, so obviously retirement planning is something that almost everybody thinks about, even if they're in retirement, they're still thinking about it. Like how is my money going to last? Um, how much money do I need? Is my, is my cash flow going to be there? That's probably the number one thing that I hear predominantly. And, and I get it. Like that's, you know, that's why we work is to ultimately get to the point where we're financially independent enough to be retired. For a lot of clients, I know saving for college is a big deal. And certainly with the student, the student loan debt that is going on in our country, that's something that a lot more parents are in the forefront of their mind thinking about. And I think especially carry our generation because, you know, when you think about the baby boomer generation, some went to college, some didn't. It, it wasn't a requirement. And now you have to have a college degree if you want to get a decent paying job or it or a trades degree. You know, like you can also get paid really well in the trades. But 
what does saving for college mean? And, and whether or not it's like collegiate in nature that we think about, or whether it's trade school, there's still a cost associated with that. If you're a carpenter or a plumber, your tools and equipment is extremely expensive in nature. So there's still that. And then what are some of the other major purchases like home improvement projects that you want to do or a new car that you need, you know, you're going to need. And that's one of those areas that you think sometimes is long-term and ends up being short-term because something happens. Yeah. I mean, again, back to the word conflicting, I think, you know, when we started talking, my mind immediately went to short-term, but I really think you need to step back and think, okay, this is how much money we're going to make this year. And these are our priorities mm-hmm. and going through and listing them out. Obviously retirement is super important and something that needs to be a priority. So I think going through those long-term goals, prioritizing them, and, and then also the short-term goals and prioritizing those. I think another big thing that we talk to people a lot about is the, the charitable contributions or charitable giving. And by giving, it can be financial or it can be in time, right? So mm-hmm. if you have something, if you have one of those conflicting goals and you really are charitably inclined, well, maybe this year is the year that you give more of your time than it is necessarily of your money. Or maybe it's more of your money than it is your time. But again, like thinking that out, what does your availability look like and what's what's the important thing? I also think a big one is caring for parents. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that was a long-term goal that Brent and I had until it became a short-term goal last year. So I think it's critical to be thinking, even if your parents are financially secure, there's still a sense of wanting to care for your parent. There's still a sense of wanting to physically be there for them, emotionally be there for them. And yourself being in a financial position where you can give some time. It may not cost you to give time immediately, but it could be a loss of time at work. So how will that affect you financially? Yeah, long-term too, because one of the things that, um, as you and I have done before, we've sat down with people and say, okay, if you give up wages, that's one thing, like that's the immediate effect. But the long-term effect is the fact that you've given up employer matching contributions. You've given up saving contributions. You've given up potential medical coverage, like that's, you know, that's a longer term um, effect on your overall plans. And we're not saying don't do it. We're just saying plan for it. You know, make sure that you know that that's part of the overall um, part of your plan and you've incorporated that into the the projections. And then I think protecting it is another big thing. Like, again, that's sort of a short-term, long-term goal. Like, what if something happens to you? Do you have the proper life insurance, the proper disability insurance? (laughs) You know, those are all long-term goals that can become short-term in nature and really cause a problem if you're not properly, um, I guess, vetted on those particular topics. And they're all, keep going back to that word, competing in nature. (laughs) Yes. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's also that question, like what keeps you up at night and we need to address that first, you know, what, what are the concerns that you have? If, if you were, um, I just, I got a phone call from a client the other day. Um, actually it was this morning. It feels like the other day, but that, um, his wife is in ICU right now. Like, you know, she's ill. She's on a ventilator. She's in ICU. He has no idea like what bills he's supposed to be paying. I mean, it's, 
two, two weeks ago, healthy as a box, you know, but now going through this. So that's where the long term is becoming the short term, right? So it's, it's all of those things. And, and I suggest to people, I don't know about you, but I suggest to people kind of writing them down and putting a priority on them. So if you're really concerned about your family and the income that you bring in, and you know, what if you become disabled or you were to die, like then that should be at the top of your list. And then set a date as to when you're going to address it. So if that's what's keeping you up at night and you say, okay, in the month of January, I am going to investigate, do I have enough life insurance and do I have enough disability insurance that if something happened to me? And if I don't, do I have enough in emergency funds? And if I don't, what do I need to do? Like keep it. My, I think Carrie, you and I tend to pick words for the year. Like what you <laughs> Yes. Mine, mine this year is simple. Ah, that's interesting because mine is calm. Yeah, right. So what what makes this process simple and helps you feel calm? <laughs> I I do think addressing the big picture long term, you know, life insurance and disability insurance. And a lot of people, a lot of people do think about life insurance, but most people think about disability. But every now and then we do have someone that that has it offered through their employer and didn't even sign up for it. So addressing that and thinking through if something happened, that's a big red red star, red flag, whatever you want to say is a, a long term goal priority. To me, that needs to be the first priority. Yeah. You know what I did um, last year, and I thought this was really helpful. And Brett and I have not done it this year, but plan to this weekend. Um, we t- I like use an Excel spreadsheet, but you could use like clips of paper or whatever you want. And we list out like all the things that are both long term and short term, like goals. And some of them carry over from one year to the next. But darn it, I'm taking a vacation this year. <laughs> um you know, and then we then we rank them. Are they short term or are they long term? And then what's the order? You know, what's the order that they need to come in? How do we want to address them? And for us, because I'm such a visual person, for me seeing it like that way and being able to move things around. And for some people, it's that slip of paper, you know, they can move it on the desk and they can, you know, move it around and be able to say, okay, this is how I can prioritize things. Um, for me, that brings a sense of order and calmness to the chaos that's there because I can say, okay, I'm going to address this then, and I'm going to address this then, and I'm going to address this then, you know, so I kind of put a timeline on some of it. And that doesn't mean that things don't move around even throughout the course of the year, but it just helps me because I think people feel very overwhelmed when we say, well, what's your goals? Yes. (laughs) I think so too. And obviously for us, it comes natural because we're in this field. So we like to do these kind of things. Um, but I do the same thing as like a short term, intermediate and long term where short terms less than one year. Um, intermediates like less than 10 and long term being, you know, 10 or more years out, which mm-hmm. unfortunately retirement falls into that 10 or more. So that's an easy priority to plan out. Um, but going through and and sometimes it's like when something's in the back of your mind or you know you need to think about it but not take care of it if you can just list it out and and just kind of brain dump those Mm -hmm. goals it's helpful 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's why I brought up the whole umbrella policy thing. Like it was in the back of my mind. I knew it was something that was coming up. I didn't even remember what month because I pay it annually and it's not a huge expense, but I knew it was an expense that I hadn't really planned for. And so I think it made me feel relieved because I took the time to go and say, oh, I have like three or four months to save for this. And what's funny is it ended up being like $30 every other. It was like nothing. And I was like, oh, that's so easy to set aside. And it's not going to be as painful when I pay for it now as versus if I waited until like a few days before or a few weeks before. And so it was a relief. And so that was a short term goal relief. And then I think if you follow through and and focus on some of those long term goals while going through your cash flow, obviously making sure you have the funds for those. It's not just fun for us, but it's a relief. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. And I think even when they are long term goals, like a short term goal to my long term goal is to like maximize my retirement savings, like just max it out. Right. Because that also reduces my taxes. And so it's like this long term goal that's out there because I'm at hopefully at least 15 years away from retirement. Um, You know, if my brain will let me continue to work that long, then I'd love to work that long longer if it will let me, but it, it is, um, it is a short term goal of mine to get to that cap. Like I, I really want to be, and because this is the big year that I turned five, oh, my cap just <laughs> increased. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, that's something to celebrate, right? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you happy that you're 50? I can save more for retirement. <laughs> yep. <laughs> little things, little things. <laughs> that and I'm, I could be a, a card holding member of AARP, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think when we think about like, you know, all of the different things that we just talked about, I, I think that's a big um, like just mind dumping all those kinds of goals. Like the question that I always ask people is if money wasn't a barrier, what would you change in your life? What modifications would you make? Dare to dream, you know, dare to write it down. And if you write it down, then ask yourself, why isn't it achievable? Because it might be, it's just that you have to set those short-term and long-term goals to achieve it. Yeah. I think another big thing that comes up in conversation, at least lately, it seems, especially is, what about saving when you have debt? That's definitely a conflicting goal. And I think a lot of people come to us in some direction for, um, and there's not a perfect answer. It's obviously individualized, but I think for, for me personally, and when I'm working with clients, the first thing is getting it, getting it all written down, big picture, knowing, Knowing what your debt is, is it a mortgage, is it a credit card, auto loan, knowing the interest on it. That's a big thing too, is knowing, you know, if you have a credit card with 27% interest, that's kind of a big deal. (laughs) So addressing some of those things and figuring out, you know, should you only put in, you know, the match that you're going to receive from your employer for your for your retirement savings and then focus on the debt. You know, that's a big conflicting goal and, and working through that and working through the numbers and prioritizing it. So, yeah, I think, again, 
you need to write it all down and, and face the facts and think through. And, and mathematically, it's really important, but emotionally, it's also important mm-hmm. to write it all point. down and put it on a spreadsheet or however you do it. That's a good point because there's an emotional side to all this, right? That we we sometimes forget to talk a little bit about because it's it's numbers to us, but there's a lot of, there's that whole psychology of money <laughs> class yes. that we taught, right? <laughs> And so I think you're right because some people will say, well, is it better to pay my mortgage down or should I, you know, invest? And with mortgage debt, you know, I think there's, you know, I think there's good debt and there's bad debt. And good debt is something like that. Like your house is actually an appreciating investment. Your car is not. Your credit card is not. If it's an appreciating asset and interest rates are very low, then it's probably better to save than it is to pay down that debt. But if interest rates like a credit card or something like that, that are very high, as you mentioned, then it's probably a priority to get a good emergency fund, um, but to get that debt spent, you know, uh, pushed down because it's, it's really expensive debt and it's not so great debt is what I call it. Which leads to the next question that I think a lot of people ask. Are a lot of people when we're talking to them and we look at their credit cards and we'll say, okay, we like you said, maybe it's a 27% interest rate. And we say to them, stop using the credit card because you've got to get that paid down. And the only way you can get it paid down is to stop using it. And they'll say, but then I miss out on the points. Are they really worth it? <laughs> I would say no. So there's a easy, a, a simple answer. I don't know that it's easy. It's a simple answer in that it's a behavioral thing for me and it's individual. So if someone is very much in control of their cash flow, they know how much they're spending and they pay their credit card off monthly, you know, even though they're using their credit card versus using their debit card, if their cash flow is in control and they're paying off their bill every month, then I think probably it's okay if, if the points are accumulated and you want to use them. I think that's fine. But then on the flip side of that, if if you're carrying a balance over month to month and it's a high interest credit card and you're using points as an excuse, then to me, that's not not a really good idea. I think you need to focus on paying off the credit card and getting your cash flow under control and forget the points because they're costing you money and interest. Um, if you're getting yeah. 1% and you're paying 27. <laughs> right. Your I mean, argument's not valid. <laughs> I, it, but, you know, something as simple as what I just said, I, I said that not too long ago to somebody and they were like, oh, it just never clicked because their points mm-hmm. were for vacation. You know, they were saying, well, I'm using the points for a vacation. And I said, okay, so let's say that your vacation costs you, you know, they were saying airline, right? And mm-hmm. I said, so let's say your your ticket costs you $400. So if you have to come up with a 4% or, you know, 1% of $400, you're looking at a pretty good clip of money that you're going to have to spend, right? Mm-hmm. So if that, <laughs> if that, if you're paying 27% on that, right? So over the course of the year, let's just say that you're you're at $40,000, right? That's going to give you your $400 and 1% points that you've earned. Mm-hmm. If you take that $40,000 and you're paying 27% on that, that's 10,800. <laughs> that that is is 27 vacation tickets. <laughs> right. So we do that kind of math. 
like this is for us, that's how we think. I realize that like we're those type of people that everything is, you know, it's all in, well, what does it take for me to get to where I want to go? Like how many, Mm -hmm. you know, I, how many hours do I have to work to actually make up for this purchase or what do I have to give up to make up for that purchase? Is it really worth it to me? That's the way my brain thinks. And I realize not everybody else thinks that way. But when we did that math on that particular situation, it was very eye-opening to that person that it was going to cost her, you know, basically $10,000 to come up with 400 in points mm-hmm. because of the, you know, the math in her situation. So be careful with those points. That's basically mm-hmm. what we're saying. Right. And, and you know yourself, you know, you know, if you're a person that has a good relationship with credit cards and you pay them off monthly and, or if you don't, mm-hmm. um, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, I, I personally don't, I'm not great at like using a credit card for my everyday expenses and then paying it off and keeping up with it and all that. I personally would rather just use my debit card. The money's gone. I don't have to mm-hmm. worry about, Oh, how much do I have enough in my checking to cover all this I've used on my credit card? It just doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. It may later, like whenever my cash flow isn't as stretched, you know, as it is at this point in my life with, with teenagers and one in college and one in high school, there's a lot going out the door. So having to worry about, Oh, I put this on the credit card, but this much, you know, for me, it's not a good idea. Now, maybe later, Mm -hmm. you know, it may be something I look at. So I think it's don't feel bad if you're a person that don't have a perfect relationship with credit cards and can use the points. Who cares? Do it later when you can. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, Brent and I are at a completely different stage of our lives, right? Where Mm -hmm. I look at that credit card balance and I'll go in and pay it off a couple of times throughout the month. Like Mm -hmm. I am doing the exact opposite of what you were saying. So Mm -hmm. like every other week or so I'll go in basically when we get paid, I'll go in and pay Mm -hmm. the credit card off so that, you know, when I get the statement, it's usually, I usually owe a couple hundred dollars according to the statement, you know, Mm -hmm. but, but I, I'm generally in there kind of keeping that cash flow, you know, that way. But again, it's, it's different, like whatever works for you from that perspective. Um, and then the final thing that I think that we get some questions on around like goals, because sometimes people will say, well, um, one of their goals, and this is this time of year, it tends to happen a lot, especially as we head into income tax season. I see it all the time. Furniture companies, flooring companies, all of these home improvement companies say 0% interest for so many years or until your income tax returns in or income tax return comes in. Um, just because something is 0% doesn't mean it's worth it. I agree. So you really have to make sure it's in your goals mm-hmm. to make sure, like don't fall victim <laughs> to the right. 0%. <laughs> I think it's a good deal. Again, it depends on your situation, but knowing your true cash flow and do you have the money? And if you have the money to just purchase it, just purchase it. Don't worry about making monthly payments. And if you don't have the money to purchase it, why? And are you purchasing something that you don't need to be purchasing in the first place? Um, it, again, it's a behavioral thing. And I think too, if you don't have the money to purchase something and you want to use the 0% interest, I, I want to remind people that technically you're spending money you haven't earned and you don't have. So you're spending future money. So just be careful because 
you know, we never know what the future holds, especially if, you know, and I don't want to harp on myself or make myself sound like I don't have control of my cash flow, but cash flows uh, a lot right now for us. So thinking that I'm going to buy something, even if it has 0% interest, knowing that that's one more thing that's going out the door for the next 12 months, it almost causes me more stress. And I don't even care that it's 0% interest. Um, So just being mindful and knowing your individual situation and and remember when you buy something that you don't actually have the money for and you're making payments on it, you're spending future dollars. You're spending money you haven't earned yet. And I think if it's if it's one of your goals, like if it's a short term goal that you wanted mm-hmm. to get and you actually have been you know, saving for that, but then an opportunity comes along and it's like, OK, well, it's zero percent. Throw that mm-hmm. money in your emergency account that you've actually I mean, that would be one thing that I would recommend. Like if you have the money mm-hmm. and you could pay cash for it, but they do a zero percent financing. Well, you know what? I'm happy to use somebody else's money. Well, as long as right. I have it and as long as I know that if something happened, like, you know, a disability or a job loss or something like that, mm-hmm. that I could still pull it out of emergency funds and pay for it. So in certain, again, it depends, like you said, certain situations, if you've been saving for it, it's a short-term goal of you, yours, and you just happen to hit like one of those sales, then that's a situation where we think, sure, go ahead and finance it for 12 months or some cases, right. five years I've seen. Yeah. And just make sure that you don't spend that money that you've been saving and that you toss it over into, like I said, like your emergency account or something like that. So that if something does happen, it's available for you to pay off at that time. Because a lot of times those 0% are like 0% for so many years. But then if you don't pay it off by that time frame, they go all the way back to the beginning of the loan and assessed it interest rate. So. Yes. Really. I mean, I, yeah, I'm not totally against it. I'm for it if conducted in a responsible manner. I mean, we've (laughs) actually done it before, my husband and I, where we did something on zero interest for a year. Um, but we just made, we, we paid it off in less than a year because again, it's my personal issue where I I don't like knowing that I owe something. Um, but I, I, I'm not against it. I'm just utilize it responsibly. And that was actually a question that came in uh, recently under our asking for a friend category of um, some of those questions that I just mentioned. One of them in particular was that uh, question I, I asked you about um, should should somebody like should I take something out in 0% interest versus paying cash for it? And, you know, it was a good question I thought that was asked. And, you know, we always say, well, it depends. And I think that, (laughs) you know, as as our conversation just uh, alluded to, it absolutely depends on the situation. And, and just as a reminder, you know, just because it's 0%, don't let, was it Crazy Eddie that used to be on TV years ago with those commercials with the, it was like the appliance commercials or something like that. Okay, I'm dating <laughs> myself. <laughs> I'm dating myself. Um, but that was, you know, it was like a big deal. You know, it was a big sale. Um, and we get excited about big sales sometimes. So doesn't always mean it's worth it. But if it's in your goal, you know, your list of goals and it's an opportunity that presents itself. We love the idea of you you keeping your money and utilizing somebody else's money um, during that period of time, but just making sure that you have a really solid plan to make sure that it gets paid off in time. So 
Well, it was fun jamming with you and talking about savings and short-term and long-term goals. Carrie, any final points that you would actually like to share with the listeners? Um, just from working with clients and personal experience, I think be um, proactive versus reactive. Take the time. It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to have this perfect software or perfect spreadsheet, you know, just take the time. And, and I'm, I'm anonymous for um, grand ideas. We're going to do this this year. We're going to do this this you know, and I change my mind a lot. Um, but the point is that I'm continuing to work and evolve and get better at things. Um, Amy probably knows I'm like the one person that's probably tried the most budgets in our group. I'm constantly <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to do that. Um, so my point being just take the time to do something. Even if, even if you don't know how to use a software, you're not very good at it in the beginning, just keep plugging away at it and, and be proactive with your money versus reactive. Well, I think that's a great final tip and we will have some, um, uh, the master budget worksheet that we do use. Uh, some people don't like to do the you know, weekly monitoring or they want something more automated. But I do think it's important that you sit down once a year. And Anne and I talked about this last week. I think it's important to sit down once a year and, and make those decisions about how you want to set, you know, spend your money. And then, I'm, of course, offer automation, 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 automation. Once you've set that you know, master budget in place, automate as much as you possibly can so that it's being taken care of. And then after that, you know, if, if you have extra, we can have a plan for what happens if you get a bonus that you weren't planning for. What's the next bucket that should go into, as we say. Um, so thinking about that kind of thing, too, and, and sort of the bucketing strategy of how your money goes, I think is pretty important. So we hope that you enjoy the new format for the podcast. I know this is just the second edition, and we look forward to uh, Carrie being a co-host once a month for the rest of this year. I'm excited to do this with our team. We'd love to hear any questions that you might have. Feel free to uh, to uh, like us on Apple Podcast or, or Spotify if you listen there. And please share with your friends and send us any questions that you might have so that we can include them in future editions. We hope 2022 is a great year for you. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.